Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. I have been fed, that's a fact. I have been fed, that's a fact. My credit card purchases get me cash back. My credit card purchases get me cash back. No one else gets these rewards. Sergeant, that is just plain untrue. What in tarnation? Sir, PenFed's PowerCash Rewards Card isn't just for military members. Anyone can get cash back on all purchases. Ah, friggins! You've ruined my favorite song. PenFed Credit Union. Visit PenFed.org slash PowerCash. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. Does anybody want breakfast? Guys, let's go. I'm leaving for McDonald's in five seconds. Why do you start with that? The Breakfast Stampede Meal. It's only at McDonald's, where there's a meal for every morning. And nothing says morning like a classic sausage McMuffin with egg. Right now, get this all-time favorite for just two bucks on the one, two, three dollar menu. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Happy Monday and welcome back to Collider Movie Talk. Today we are breaking down the box office and then on top of that we get to talk a little It Chapter 2 because apparently the young kids in the movie, they're being de-aged. Even they are not young enough to play their roles anymore. There is no hope for any of us. But I will tell you, there's hope in the future for Andy Serkis because we are going to cover some breaking news right up top. Before we get to that though, I have to welcome my panelists. I have Haley and Roka on the desk today. Hi, hi. Hi. Good weekends. Yes. yes, very busy weekends and fun weekends. Yes, you worked oh. all weekend. I did. Did the you did junket? Cool stuff, though. Yeah, I did. I did the junket for Ready or Not and for Brian Banks, two films that I'm. You all should be looking forward to seeing. Definitely some great stuff. Very fun people. What did you do, Haley? None of that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I had a bit of the arthritis kick in because I'm a very old lady, so they I can digitally in- de-age that out of you. <laughs> if that's true, please. But I stayed in bed and caught up on some movies. Did did a lot of watching. The boys. I, I had already finished okay. the boys, but I was I was digging back into a little old Fincher to prepare for Mindhunter, which is Ooh, always yeah. a delight. Yeah. I think that's a fine way to this spend week? the weekend. Is that this week? Next week? Next week? Okay. Soon. Yeah. All right. It's sometime I'm soon. I'm I don't know the exact date because this is movie talk, so I don't have to. All right. Like I said, we have some breaking news right up top for you. It is a THR exclusive. Andy Serkis has officially closed a deal to direct Venom 2, so this was narrowed down from the shortlist. This is the final thing, the official news. Does this give you any more hope than maybe what you already had for Venom 2? Certainly, yeah. I, I like the idea of Andy Serkis coming into the situation because of the motion capture experience. A lot of people had issues with that in the first Venom movie, some of the CGI, some of all that stuff. Didn't quite 100% work for people. I saw that in some of the reviews. Um, I'm interested here because it's not like Andy comes in with this great track record of movies. So this is fascinating. And you're stepping in for a director who made $850 million on the first installment. If you don't come close to that or you fall underneath that, that's kind of a strike against you. So although we're excited that Andy, because we love Andy so much to take over this part, I mean, take over this uh, directing uh, uh, job, it could backfire for him if it doesn't hit the heights as the first film did. I'm a little... uh conflicted on this because i think that for a lot of people the first venom didn't turn out to be exactly what we were hoping for and yet uh found something to love in it anyway Mm -hmm. and part of that was was a very unique and and sort of hard to put your finger on you couldn't really plan for it charm that that came out of the approach to the material and i don't know 
how easy that charm is going to be able to, you know, capture a second time around, mm-hmm. regardless of the director. But certainly a director change up uh, speaks to a, a different experience, maybe. I don't know. We'll see. You make a great point with the, you know, the motion capture. Yeah, that's yeah. that's an up. But I'm not like I just feel that that what worked in that first Venom was so singular and specific. I don't mm. know how that's going to play in the, another filmmaker's hands. I also can't entirely wrap my head around Andy Serkis's style as a director, too. When you yeah. think about him having directed uh, Breathe and then also Mowgli, mm. it's like they're two completely different movies. And I know he does specialize in visual effects which should help Venom 2 out quite a bit, but I still don't quite know what to picture beyond what I already got with the first movie. And again, they didn't knock it out of the park. I actually had enough fun with it, but whenever you get another movie, you want to see them improve upon it. So Mm. I am rooting for him, but I can't quite picture how he's going to do that. Well, and you look at Deadpool 2, that didn't come in at the same level as people felt about Deadpool 1. Could that repeat itself as well? I don't know. I don't know. I could... I mean, like you say, he does not come in with mm. an esteemed directorial resume. And I think that you're right, Perry, and I don't have any idea what his hiring says to speak to the tone or, or the mm. style or really anything, which is why I, I can only refer back to that first film and go, can they do that again? I don't like, well, can you capture that lightning, yeah, that weirdo lightning? The other possibility is that the studio is kind of course correcting because they maybe thought, okay, yeah, I mean, we made $850 million, but this is not that good of a movie. Right. Maybe we can make a better movie that could make more money if we bring in a director who maybe can bring this thing to life in a different way, in a more cohesive way, so that everyone is happy with it. I don't oh, know. Oh, that's the dream scenario right there. <laughs> I hope whatever you just said goes out into the ether and it winds up happening. Um, now we have to talk about more movies that made a whole ton of money at the box office because it's Monday. So we recap the weekend box office. And of course, Hobbs and Shaw was number one this weekend. It made $60 million. Number two was The Lion King, which made another $38.5 million. Then at number three, we had Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, which made $20 million. Number four went to Spider-Man Far From Home, which took in another $7.9 million. And then Toy Story 4, still in the top five, making another $7.3 million. Roka, do yeah. I dare ask what catches your eye on this chart? Habs and Shaw! Yes. <laughs> Finally, The Rock has come back to the Fast and Furious franchise. That was so much fun for me. Yes, I know people are bashing it and people have comments about it, but it's fun for what it was. It made its money. It got an A minus cinema score, which is a positive overall. Well, it's interesting when you look at this thing. Uh, it's launched in 63 overseas markets and it est- with an estimated 120 million, securing 180 million global debut. It's the fifth largest global opening ever for Universal and tops that Godzilla King of the Monsters. But I think it comes in seventh in terms of domestic amount of money uh, in the Fast and Furious franchise uh, uh, list. But that being said, it's a spinoff. It's not going to do what the regular films do. So to me, I think this is a great opening for them. I think I hope they're working on a sequel because these two have incredible charm with Vanessa Kirby, who steals that damn movie. So throw them all into another one and let's see what happens. And I hope this thing has legs. That's what I worry about now more than anything is how much legs Hobbs and Shaw has. Oh, there is a lot of competition. Coming our way. Yeah. We have five new wide releases hitting theaters this weekend, and none of them are really direct competition for a movie like Hobbs and Shaw. True. But still, competition is competition, and especially in August, there's only so much money to go around. Mm. The interesting thing that you bring up is the fact that this made far less than some of the uh, the proper Fast and right. Furious films, and it is a spinoff. So maybe one would expect that, but I feel like this franchise is in a different situation right now, just because. 
maybe it's all of the behind the scenes beef coming to light or something, or maybe it's just my whole mentality with thinking Hobbs and Shaw have even more potential than the Vin Diesel led main series mm-hmm. at this point. So I am curious if this is a situation where the spinoff doesn't just make less money and then the main Fast and Furious franchise continues on as is. Mm-hmm. I have a feeling that when we get the ninth film, it's going to wind up being far closer to what we just saw Hobbs and Shaw make this weekend. Maybe. Maybe. I'm a, I am I don't know. I Maybe I'm within like a very tight circle, but I do feel that Fast and Furious fans tend to roll pretty hard and that there mm-hmm. are many, many of us. And this didn't, to me, feel like a Fast and Furious film. It didn't come across that way in the marketing. It didn't feel like it when I sat down to watch it. I enjoyed it as a spinoff. And as you say, spinoffs aren't meant to be the same exact thing and aren't mm. going to perform the same way. But I definitely, I mean, seeing Hobbs and Shaw as a Fast and Furious diehard only made me more hungry to really? return to the family. Oh, that's an interesting because perspective. Because that's what I love is that family and their weird chemistry. And their, there's just a really specific tone to a Fast and Furious film that I didn't get from this. So I'm still sort huh. of like hungry for my next hit. That's so interesting to hear because a couple of the comments that I heard, and granted, I have not seen the movie yet. Mm. I have to go see it because I missed the screening when I was out of town, but... A lot of the uh, the folks I saw going into it said, uh, you know, I'm, I'm sick of this family. Still in front of this family. Just give me cars and speed and all that kind of stuff. And to hear Maybe. you say the exact opposite, especially after seeing this movie, yeah. that kind of changes my thought process a That's little. That's what I've always loved about mm. it, though, is this sort of ridiculous family unit and the, the Tao of Dom Toretto. He's always giving some absurd advice that <laughs> ties into cars. I have a list on my computer that I love to of add to with do. every new film <laughs> Dom Toretto advice and this didn't have that feeling it's a very different uh, very different type of charm they're bringing Mm. that isn't maybe it's not as earnest it's not as heartfelt and that is I think for me what separates the Fast and Furious films from like the other things we tend to see at the box office is it's just so doofishly earnest there's this like really sappy sloppy love Mm. at the heart of it that really works for me and this did feel for numerous reasons like you know, you've got a, a fancy little buddy of a motorcycle that ties into another franchise. You've got mm. Idris Elba, who feels a whole lot like a lot of other superheroes. That this just felt as related to any blockbuster as it did to Fast and the Furious. I think you bring up a great point, and that's this whole idea of the fact that they all ride or die together as a mm. family. But this movie, they're constantly battling each other, so yes. there is not that feeling of riding or, or dying together until the, almost the very, very end. And so you like get that sense that. This is, yes, an, uh, a, a spinoff, but it's a spinoff that's a completely different take on this Fast and Furious franchise. Cars aren't even important in this yeah. installment, and that's an interesting step to take. Uh, and so, yeah, we'll see down the road how these how the performance versus the main I have one. a follow-up question yeah. for you guys then. So given how you both just described it, do you think that the main Fast and Furious franchise will continue on making about the same amount of money. And I was only speaking about the domestic box mm-hmm. office, obviously mm-hmm. international and globally just perform like crazy. Right, but right. do you see it finding similar success in the main franchise and maybe a Hobbs and Shaw offshoot gaining momentum as we continue on? 
I mean, I could see that. I also wonder that by splitting it this way, if they sort of broke their magic formula a little bit. I mean, it's definitely true that when The Rock came in in Fast Five, he revived the franchise. Mm -hmm. And and that, I think, cemented a lot of people into like, oh, now I'm ride or die for these people because this movie's amazing. So I don't don't know. Maybe they, they did just sort of undo their magic a little bit by separating their players like that. Maybe there was something... Uh, subconsciously appealing about watching The Rock be mm-hmm. staged to be shorter than Vin Diesel <laughs> and like and seeing them yeah. never shoot scenes together. Maybe that gave it part of its weird campy feel. I don't. I don't know. I hope so. I love this franchise. I'll watch mm-hmm. a million. I never realized you were such a hardcore Fast and Furious oh, fan. Huge. Yeah. I'm loving it. Dying. Yeah. Uh, Fast and Furious and Godzilla. Could you imagine if these two franchises crossed (laughs) over? (laughs) It's certainly possible. As crazy as they've been with those Fast and Furious movies, that's possible. Uh, But this is is all going to come down to how the fans react to this whole situation. Because, look, surviving the death of Paul Walker is not easy for this franchise. He was really the yin to the yang of Dom Toretto. And then you throw in The Rock. Did revive it, but The Rock is very clearly moving in his own direction and within the Fast and Furious world. Who is going to slide in now as the main foil or friend to Dom Toretto, there are a lot of rumors that Charlize is going to come back mm. and actually be a good guy in the next installment, and they'll work together. That'll be interesting, but it's just a Band-Aid. Like, what's going to take the place of Paul Walker for this thin thing to keep surviving? Michelle, obviously, is great in what she does in the films, but, like, what's going to take that place? And I think that's the thing. And just like family, sometimes family members die off. They marry off and go off, and you've <laughs> got to survive somehow as a family. And maybe it's never going to be as great as it was, but you've got to find that way to get people back in the theater to see what you're going to do next. Well, and they hopefully have, they do that. Has it been confirmed or just semi-confirmed mm. via Diesel's Instagram? that John Cena's coming in, uh, which is a, yeah. a wonderful addition. I, I would be <laughs> completely blown away by him when I saw him Can just command a crowd. Too? Yeah, yeah, I would yeah. watch that. Well, I'm sure it will in. down the line, but I saw him command the crowd at San Diego Comic-Con last year, and I was just like, oh, I'm a yeah. full-tilt convert now. Like, he has charisma that's absurd. You mean Cena? Yes. Yeah, yeah, Batista said he won't be part of it. He makes uh, fun of it on Twitter. Oh, really? Oh, yeah, he bashes, wow. he bashes wow. Fast and Furious. He bashes Rock for being a part of it, and I think he made fun of Cena for accepting really? the role. That's the yeah. first thing that he's ever done that I didn't care for. <laughs> well, you know, Dave's got his strong feelings. That's fair. That's but fair. Cena's a nice choice. I don't know if he yeah. fills the Walker thing fully, no, no, but no. certainly the comedic aspect of it all and the, the you know the manly aspect of it all will be filled by him, and we'll see how that I, goes. I have a big theory that if they can work out their like, beef stuff, and I'm not sure how much I believe that's been really played up aggressively for marketing anyway. I'm mm-hmm. sure they don't get along, but uh, it seems like an awful lot of on-the-record comments about it. Uh, but mm. my big theory is that eventually they'll come back together in this reveal that will finally deliver the justice for Han we've all been waiting oh, for. Oh, boy. And if they do that. That will save the franchise for me if they I, just I give think, me my justice for Han. I would be sold in a second if they ever went that route. Yeah. Before we move on mm. from box office, I want to give a couple other shout-outs here. And I'm going to go with uh, just letting you guys know that The Farewell and Loose are in limited release right now. Loose opened up last weekend, and it did quite well. The Farewell just continues to try along and that movie is still as we go forward going to get more and more theaters and it's just when it's doing as well as it is right now and when it's so beloved that to me is a sign that this movie could continue on Mm. through award season because we are already hearing a lot of love for it maybe in the directing category one of the screen the screenplay category i am rooting for that and i'm rooting for loose to get some love too in particular I might place my bets right now on Octavia Spencer for Best Supporting Actress. Ooh. I don't know. Right. And, and really, if it was 
my personal Oscar picks, she would be on that mm. list right, right now. But I just have a good feeling that good per theater averages earlier in their runs like this mean there's going to be enough buzz behind them to take them through award season. There is something else you want to highlight that's out right now, Haley, right? Yes, in the little specialty box office and mm. very specialty indeed. It only landed <laughs> in two theaters, uh, The Nightingale by Jennifer Kent. And it... it didn't gross a ton, but out of two theaters, it made a little over 40000 And it is, it is, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, Perry, already available on demand, VOD style as well. Through IFC Midnight? I think so. That's a good yeah, question. I, I believe that is correct. And if it is not playing, if you're not in one of the two towns yep. that have a theater, you should certainly seek it out. Uh, via streaming because it's a really special, grueling, but moving film. And am I wrong? Is it I not? I don't know because my, my latest email does say opening in New York and Los Angeles August 2nd, nationwide expansion oh. to follow, which might mean just theatrical right now, yeah. but they usually do great VOD rollouts eventually anyway, yeah, so do. I'm sure it'll be accessible soon. I've yeah. seen Midnight's always all over that, but then keep uh, keep an eye on your local theater if it's if mm-hmm. it's expanding nationally because it is it is a tough watch, but it's a beautiful movie. There is a lot of specialty content out there right now yeah. that you really should seek out if you can. Before we move on to story number two today, which of course is that It Chapter 2 update, we have some content on the channel to tell you all about. Like, later today, you're getting some Rule of Two. Here's a promo for that. Hey guys, Riley here, and let me tell you about Rule of Two. You looking for a Star Wars fix? Well, Rule of Two is that show. It drops in on Collider Video's main YouTube channel, as well as on Podcast One's Jedi Council feed. So go over there, subscribe, share it with your friends. It's hosted by myself and Mark Fernandez. We talk everything in the Star Wars universe with a lot of deep dives and a lot of conversations that go all in. You know what to do. Subscribe, join us there, and rise. Now, this is a very cool thing I have to tell you about right now. We are doing a little fan art contest with the folks behind Brightburn. It's called the Bandwidth Brightburn Fan Art Contest. And what's going to happen is go over to Collider.com. You're going to see all the details on how to enter there. But once you have entered, eventually the star of the movie, Jackson A. Dunn, is going to be the one to pick a winner. And he's going to do it on an episode of Comic Book Shopping, which cool stuff right there if you're an artist or even if you're not an artist who knows what could happen go make a picture and send it in follow all the rules on collider.com all right story number two i'm so i don't think anything makes me happier than when a monday episode of movie talk is box office and it chapter two (laughs) um so this story it comes from sci-fi.com and they picked it up from total film Director Andy Muschietti explained to that outlet that when Stephen King first read the draft for the sequel, he made a few notes and also requested the addition of one all-new scene. Then, on top of that, It Chapter 2 will flash back to the present, reopening events in order to bring back the repressed events from the first film. That, of course, means filming new scenes with the Young Losers Club, and they have obviously grown a good deal, as teenagers do. So... From the beginning, we knew that we would be we knew that that would be part of the budget, the visual effects to address that. This is what Andy Muschietti said. So we're going to de-age the kids. Something about that just sounds like I understand why they need to do that. But when you say de-age kids, I'm like, what? So hearing this, are you at all surprised that this is the route they're taking? it seems to be the thing to do nowadays is the de-aging. They're going crazy with the de-aging. Yeah. The Gemini Man is a different version of de-aging, but we certainly are going to see that in The Irishman. There was a sample of that at the end of the trailer with De Niro on the phone. So here we go, de-aging. We've seen it in the MCU. Now 
in this. It's fascinating. Hollywood, you know, the big complaint with Hollywood and a lot of actors is they always want to go with the younger thing. And yeah. de-aging now, kind of as ch- de-aging children, is really <laughs> uncomfortable. You know who's sad about this? The people who did Lost. They could have de-aged uh, that young kid uh, all the way down <laughs> instead of hiring new actors to play that character. They could have de-aged that kid and kept him young for the whole run. That would have solved everyone's problems <laughs> yes, with Lost. Right, <laughs> it was just one mistake. It was when the they start de-aging cats and dogs, that's when I'm out. <laughs> when they de- de-age you to a baby, that? that's what I, I want to see. You never know. Old cats are the best cats. Can they de-age you to a baby? I don't know. I, Ooh, I'm down. I I'm down. Not. I'm not into that. I'm not a fan. Luke was talking. Uh, I don't know. No, I mean the, the film, the film, the film, the series. You could do it like that. I could I'm totally sorry, not sorry. sorry, guys. I meant the, um, the franchise. I get you. I get you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, just with Bruce oh, Willis, but as a baby. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Um, it's weird. It's for sure. It's like you said. It, it makes sense. But to hear you say de-aging the kids, those words in that order, is just hurts the brain a little bit. To be honest. Um, but I have to say, as far as like digital de-aging tech goes, this is one of the more practical applications mm-hmm. I've seen of it so far. I'm, I'm hoping that it'll be very subtle and not noticeable yeah. because that's the last thing you need distracting you. I, I mean, and it is generally fairly distracting. They've gotten very good at it, but I don't think they've gotten to the... Well, you know, they did pretty good with Fury and Captain Marvel. Oh, I think Marvel. they did, yeah. That actually wasn't mm, too distracting true, after true, a while. True. Uh, which is terrifying. We are yeah. really in a terrifying time of I technology. Feel like the question is, it's like, if it's necessary, if it's necessary, yeah. it, I will always approve and just, you know, continue to live my life. And in this case, it does seem necessary because I love the fact that they're making this story, the continuation of this story, and they're including the kids again. The kids were the heart and soul of that yeah. movie. I'm not ready to lose them. Yeah. And the nature of the story calls for flashbacks. They're not just including the flashbacks because the kids became hot stuff from the success of that first movie. Mm-hmm. Their inclusion in this movie is going to serve the adult story better. So it sounds ridiculous, but I am all for it. I am also all for Stephen King suggesting that Muschietti add a scene to this movie. Yeah. So mm-hmm. let's just run wild with the possibilities what do you think we could possibly be getting with stephen king's direct influence on it in this movie just a complete absolute guess based on what he just did with the stand maybe he wants a new coda or something Mm. i don't it's it's he's clearly like in this time where he wants to revisit some of his best stories and be like i would do this a little differently could you do that for me um i i don't know that's I, i think it is like one of the most perfect horror books. Oh, and I so love it. the idea of adding thing, I get a little precious about it and I'm like, Don't you dare. Mm. But also, who who has the right more than Stephen King yeah. to mess with it? And also, given the stuff we had just seen at San Diego Comic Con, it's not, you know, a straight book to film totally adaptation. True. They're yeah. changing yeah. something. So who knows? Maybe he read something in that script that inspired a next step to an idea. That's that's what I'm betting it's gonna be. I obviously yeah. can't pinpoint mm-hmm. anything specific, but I will tell you when I first see that movie, I'm gonna be looking for that moment. And I'm never <laughs> gonna figure out what it was. Because there's too many changes we will never <laughs> exactly. know. Uh-huh. <laughs> Is the turtle in play? Is the Matowrit in play? Uh, I, <laughs> big question. We, I, that's how you launch a thing. If, you, yeah. if you're not going to stop here, if Matowrit's in question, then I mean, Well, the play, turtle did make an appearance in the first film. That's what I'm yeah. saying. Okay, is there something really. here that's there like... There were Easter eggs. Muscati has said for a while that he's not super interested in the cosmic element. Right. That's not really his focus. 
I would love to see that. It's one of my favorite parts of the book, and I think it's what makes uh, the creature so scary. Mm -hmm. So I, I, I mean, I would never say no to more of that. Maybe the DH Pennywise. Yeah, you don't know. No, but I think that's. I think that would be fun to explore. It doesn't have to be cosmic necessarily. It could be could adjust it. Maybe that's what the scene is, is adjusting it to make it more of a demon hell oh, uh, type of thing where it's a universe of this kind of evil that exists or this kind, or maybe it's a good to counter Pennywise, that kind of thing. So there's all kinds of things that could exist there, I think. Well, if rumors wind up being true and it does turn out to be a three-hour or whatever the exact <laughs> runtime was, right. it chapter two, they have more than enough time to explore everything. Mm. All right. Before we say goodbye to you, I want to be able to squeeze in one live chat question here because it does touch on another piece of breaking news that dropped right before we started the show. Steve Calderon is asking us, with Captain Marvel's Gemma Chan in talks to join the Eternals as possibly another character, which other actor would you like to see return to the MCU in a different role? This is a great question. That is a good question. It gets great casting news Mm -hmm. because it is Gemma Chan, and then our own Jeff Snyder also broke the news that, get ready for it, I'm (laughs) not going to say it the way I used to. Barry Keown. Yeah, that, yeah that's that. Barry Keown. Oh, nice. He is also apparently in talks to join the Eternals mm-hmm. as well. And if you are not familiar with him, I mean, there's just a laundry list of things that you should watch him in at this point. Dunkirk obviously comes to mind. Mm-hmm. And, um, oh, my God, the spaghetti scene. Why is oh, that my gosh. escaping uh, my mind right of now? Killing of a Sacred Deer. Thank you. Yes. Watch Killing of a Sacred Deer as well. But anyway. And learn to hate spaghetti more than you thought was you possible. Have, you <laughs> really have no idea until you've seen that moment. Yeah. If you could recast anybody in the MCU, who would it be? Hugo Weaving. Okay, good. One. Uh, because he really hated being part, being Red Skull, and they recast Red Skull uh, with that actor from Walking Dead. Yeah. Uh, so to have Hugo come back in some form, maybe not having to wear ma- uh, uh, makeup and all that stuff, which is what really bothered him. Uh, something else. Uh, I think he could definitely be a cosmic god of some kind. He would certainly mm-hmm. fit into that role. That's a good pick, and uh, especially because he falls along with Gemma Chan and that he was so made up, you wouldn't really know the difference. Right, mm. exactly. Like, I would love to see Sam Rockwell come back because he's great oh, and everything. Yeah. Yes, but please. You two directly be like, well, that's, that's no. Justin Hammer. Yeah, it would have like, to be Justin Hammer. Like, unless they put him in makeup this time. Right. The, the uh, what was it, the 2000 uh, Charlie's Angels movie was yeah. on, and he is just like, he's deliciously mm-hmm. diabolical he in that movie. Is. He is. He's dancing in everything. I also would, and this is sort of inspired by one of the chats we had on Mailbag. Oh, yeah. I would love to see Scott Adkins get a real role where he gets to kick some actual ass instead of floating through the air. All right. Speaking of floating through the air, that brings to mind Michael Rooker because every franchise out there Mm. needs more Michael Rooker. Agreed. Trying to think of somebody from maybe the very beginning who was kind of, you know, in and out fairly quickly that I feel bad for now, but it's (laughs) turned into this this epic thing. Would you want to see Eccleston come back in a better role than what he Mm. did with uh, Dark World? Phenomenal actor. Or Rebecca Hall. I would love to see Rebecca Hall. Yes, please. There is someone who is super underserved. Right? Like maybe a villain to Captain Marvel in one of those. She'd be fantastic as some kind of thing up there as well one of the one of the uh, villains that she has in her lexicon that'd be great now if, if we, we uh, want to keep it in the rockwell family leslie bibb could get more to do <laughs> she, she definitely needs more to do yes. than what she got yeah. now that we've put so many great options out there hopefully someone from marvel was actually watching this episode of movie talk if you are <laughs> cast some of those people all right we're out of here that's it for our monday episode as always Haley roca thank you for being here thank you Adam in the booth, your hard work is just the best in the world. Thank you so much. Dorian in the live chat, thank you too. To everybody out there, do not forget to like and share this episode of Movie Talk. And then tune in tomorrow, 3 p.m. PT Live for a brand new one.
Stay little chico, pitbull, Mr. 305, better said Mr. Worldwide. And I'm here to tell you about my new podcast, From Negative to Positive. Brought to you by my friends over at State Farm. I believe that to have success, you got to play the game. So that the game doesn't play you. You know, the biggest risk you take is not taking one. It's very important that you make sure that you make the most out of your money, especially when it comes to insurance. State Farm offers surprisingly great rates. They have great agents standing by helping you personalize your coverage. All this is backed up by award-winning, easy-to-use technology. It's a great price with an even greater service. When you want the real deal, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. We begin today's meditation with a few sipping exercises to remind us a little treat can go a long way. So pick up your McCafe iced coffees, close your eyes, and deep sip in. And deep satisfaction out. <sighs> Take a treat retreat at McDonald's. Right now, get a McCafe iced coffee in any size and any flavor for just 99 cents until 11 a.m. Price of participation may vary.